Hey there, and welcome to the Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and chit-chat about intriguing and sometimes controversial topics through the lens of skepticism. With you for this one are Richard Gilliver and Laura McGee. Today, we are discussing the Dead Sea Scrolls, so grab your English tea or your Turkish coffee and join us as we geek out over crusty ancient documents that most people know almost nothing about. This is Skeptic Hangout, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, this, so first this off, is go on sorry well i was gonna say when we were discussing shows and which which topics we do and we chose the dead sea scrolls because josh was like i am not qualified to cover this and gil was like i am equally uneducated towards the dead sea scrolls so we're gonna leave it with you two and i was like yay they think i'm an expert in the dead sea scrolls and i know almost nothing about i i know like discovery channel documentary shit about the dead sea scrolls I, yeah i, I don't I'm, know academic stuff about them i'm about the same it's it, <clears throat> it's funny because i think the burden with cynthia cynthia mcdonald has a thing where she which makes me laugh immensely where she calls me a, a kind of biblical expert and i'm really not uh and of that non-expertise the Dead Sea Scrolls is probably the bottom of the list of, of of any knowledge whatsoever. So I have pretty much a Discovery Channel knowledge of them as well. So this is going to be a really interesting episode. Um, yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, this is the episode where we spend 45 minutes talking out our asses about something that we know absolutely nothing about and presenting it as fact. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no, pretty much the mo of our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The, so, so uh, all joking aside, I know a, a little bit about of the the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were, you know, they were discovered in the Qumran caves. This is just basic, common kind of Discovery Channel right. knowledge. Discovered in a Qumran cage, uh, cave. Sorry, in 1947, I think it was. Uh, they found thousands of fragments of old documents, uh, which the majority of which were like scraps and fragments and right. uh, alternatives to what was written in the Old Testament. And there's been thousands, well, it's 1947 when they were found. Uh, there's been thousands and thousands and tests of many, many different natures done on these things from different areas of academia. Uh, they, they, were, they were very interesting and they kind of revolutionized when they were found the kind of uh, biblical archaeology. And right. so they are very, very, very important uh, documents. Most of them, as I said, relate from the Old Testament. So yeah, the that that's pretty much the the overview of them were. Yeah, well, and from my understanding, they were just sort of a collection of hodgepodge documents. Like they were obviously somebody wanted to preserve them because weren't they found in a in a pot like clay pots or whatever? I know some documents are actually found in ancient trash heaps. Like they will actually find scraps, and those documents could be anything from like record keeping 
um, or like um, transactions or contracts between people. Like they could be having nothing to do with religion or history whatsoever. But these ones, from what I remember, there was some um, effort to preserve them. Right. And, yeah. and from what I remember, they were both Hebrew. They were, they were predominantly Hebrew documents, but there were references to Christianity and there were, there were documents that were, were from like a Christian slant, if I remember. Yeah, and so I think most of them related to the Old Testament. They were written in Hebrew yeah. uh, and some were written in Aramaic. And I think as, as well, there were a few in Greek, uh, but they, it, that's not really surprising because they were they were actually discovered. Well, they weren't discovered. They were discovered in 1947. They were from kind of, a, you know, scholarly consensus says that they were from kind of a 400-year period from the uh, 3rd century BCE to the 1st century CE, uh, uh, which, you know, we're going to use the modern, the modern dating method rather than before Christ. And and whatnot. So yeah, before the common era, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to get it, just to piss the Christians off for no apparent reason. Just uh, in case our show is starting to catch some positive attention out there, let's let's go ahead. And yeah, yeah just in case we're starting to get but... good vibes from people for being balanced, let's let's <laughs> knock that on the head Something straight away. away. <laughs> but no, no, but I but, think but it is it is the modern dating method, so we're going to use it. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're they're from quite a long period, and they do deal with you know quite a lot of stuff. I think they were found over, you know. I think a lot of people have this idea that they were found in a cave, but I think they were found over like tens of caves, a series you know what of I mean? caves, they're, yeah, they're like, and multiple documents, and yeah, thousands yeah. of thousands of uh, little uh, fragments as well. Uh, yeah. I did watch a very good documentary on them uh, where it showed the kind of... Uh, it showed them trying to read them and some of the... I don't know if spectrof- spectrophysy is the right word. I'm not an expert in kind of yeah. uh, visual uh, media. Uh, of, of like putting different lights on them and x-rays and things like that to try and read some of the harder to read segments of them which from what i remember shed quite a lot of light on 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 them that there was unknown before they'd done that so quite a lot of science has gone into this uh, so it's not just a kind of it's not just a scholarly project it's a, a lot a lot of science has gone in to to kind of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'd I wouldn't be surprised, and I have no statistics on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were one of, if not the most studied single set of texts that we have of any religion. That wouldn't surprise oh, me whatsoever. Yeah, possibly. I know that it included um you were talking about Hebrew texts and Aramaic texts and stuff, but it included particularly like canon from the bible but then it also like it it also um contained manuscripts that were like bible adjacent but not included in the bible right and so what's interesting about that is it allows historians to take a look at that era and like the kinds of manuscripts that were being written and saying okay well some made it into the bible some didn't why didn't they what was the significance but clearly they were preserved equally um and not preserved well obviously because like you were saying a lot of these 
manuscripts are more fragments of manuscripts. And I don't have like the breakdown of, well, X number were perfectly like whole manuscripts and X number are just shreds or whatever. But you have to imagine when a, when a historian says, you know, um, fragments of a, of a manuscript were discovered, it, it could be very, very, very small or it could be very significant. And with the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's like a mix of both, right? Like some are better preserved than others. And what I find the most interesting that I think is somewhat controversial, and I'll tell you why in just a second, is that can be directly like, oh, okay, well, this this particular manuscript made it into the Bible. So we can confirm that at, at this time, whenever it dates back to, they had these manuscripts written in the Bible. And that's really good for dating Bible manuscripts. But then they also have manuscripts of different stories that weren't included in the Bible. And those can be problematic because it's like, okay, Christians, well, there's all these things being written as though they're scripture, right? As though they're truth, but part is in your Bible and part isn't. And how do you dictate what parts are quote unquote from God and which aren't? And obviously there's, there's lots of ways in which, um, in which religious people kind of justify, um, which were inspired by God and which weren't and how we know and, and all this other stuff. But it is, it is problematic in terms of they have to deal with that information. But, and I was saying earlier about, why it why it's controversial so i had a a friend who was a chaplain in the military and i was doing a lot of studies at the time into christian history and and the non-christian manuscripts that didn't make it into the bible and how there's different bibles among different churches like the the catholic bible is different from the protestant those kinds of things and i asked him i'm like have you ever read or researched the dead sea scrolls and he said nope and i'm not going to he's like i have no intention of it because whatever's in the bible is the bible whatever's outside the bible is outside of the bible whatever is the word of God is, and I don't need any sort of proof or, or he's like, I don't need to look into this any further. I, I know my doctrine and I know my truth. And um, if the Dead Sea Scrolls present information that is contrary to my beliefs, I, I don't need to consider it or look at it or think about it or even know that it exists. Like he had no interest whatsoever. Didn't yeah, even I, know what they were. I find that very sad enough. I also yeah. find it quite bizarre. Because, and I'm going to go off topic here when I tell this little story. So do yeah. forgive me, listeners, if you're coming in for like an in-depth Dead Sea Scrolls episode. But it's not going to happen. Christianity first arrived in Britain around the same time, maybe a couple of decades later, than the first ever Bible that we have. Uh, the first ever Bible was a collection of something like 10 books. I'm not entirely sure on the number. It was only New Testament texts, and it was around, I think, the kind of uh, the second century, maybe maybe going into the third, but I think it was around the second century. That was the first ever Bible, and there were Christians in Britain at that time. Christian was Britain was largely Christian with uh, bishops and churches. At the same time that the first single language Bible, which included the Old Testament, was actually commissioned. The first ever single language Bible, which was the year 499, if I recall correctly. Uh, and by at this time, we didn't even have a solid... We, we had the Nicene Creed but there were still wranglings about the nature of Jesus, which would go on for many, many years afterwards. Oh, yeah. And 
Britain was a well-established Christian country by then. And I'd, I'd just like, especially for our Christian listeners, who we do appreciate a great deal, despite having <laughs> a little go at the joke about them earlier on. Um, look, I want you to have a think about that. Before we even had a, a, the, the Christian doctrine that most Christians live by today, and before we had the Bible in a single language with both the New and Old Testaments in, we had communities of Christians outside of the area where all of that stuff was being decided. Early Christian communities, and, and I'm not even talking about the controversial stuff where they were kind of arguing against each other. Early right. Christian communities didn't even have access to what we now consider Christianity. It was not a thing. Right. And that is is a very important point to note and to to kind of keep a hold of when when you when you come across people like uh, Laura's pastor who were saying I will not go out of the outside of the Bible. That is very very important to know, and it's very very it's a very important piece of Christian history to know because Christianity in Britain is a long established and well established thing. And yet, at the beginning, we didn't even have a Bible. And yeah. I think that's and, important. And the first Bibles don't look like in. the Bibles. Yeah, the first Bibles don't look the same as the Bibles that we have today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not at all. So, and, and of course, th- this is what we're talking about. And that's why that story is important. I know I went on a bit of a tangent, but this is why the story is important. Because there were thousands and thousands of scrolls that didn't make it into the Bible. And Mm -hmm. this is why the Dead Sea Scrolls, bringing it back on topic, were so important as a discovery, because they offered us glimpses into things that we didn't have before. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what what I was going to allude to later, and I'm glad you brought it up, um, because when we talk about the importance of the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a lot of like there there is controversy there. There's a lot of like, well, does this disprove Christianity? Does it prove Christianity? Are these documents like proof that at this certain time in history we already had Bible manuscripts? Therefore, insert reason why that proves the Bible. Or hey, there's these manuscripts that are different and contradict the Bible stories, or or have their own stories that go off on their on their own little tangents. So therefore, should we question the Bible? There so there's a lot of argument that can be had just with with the dead sea scrolls and what impact that has on on belief and on religion but if you want to take it outside of that argument the dead sea scrolls are still really really fascinating just in terms of their historical context and what they teach us about the people of the time and the religions of the time from a completely like subjective non-argumentative just like let's study the religion of that time and what people thought and what people believed and these manuscripts um they give glimpses into the variety of beliefs and the the idea that like we think of these monolithic religions like Hinduism and Judaism and Christianity and, and Islam as not changing, as being like ever sort of present from the time of their creation. And what the Dead Sea Scrolls show us, at least in terms of Christianity, for example, is that no, they weren't these big monoliths at the time. There were these ever-evolving, sort of wishy-washy changing um religions that had a lot to do with the historical context of that time but they were sort of molded over time and things were accepted and things were rejected and 
um, different beliefs were, were argued and, and codified, right? And other beliefs were rejected and became heresies. The beliefs were, were fluid. They weren't, they weren't solidified. And, and I'd even argue that Christian beliefs today are still fluid. But the, the Dead Sea Scrolls really give us a peek into the past. And so it's, I'm kind of like bummed that I only have sort of a discovery channel <laughs> knowledge of them. I haven't taken the time to study them in depth, but I do find them a really fascinating piece of history in, in trying to understand the, the broader picture. Yeah, they, they are. They are a fascinating piece of history. And, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show when we were talking about when they were discovered, that um, they were discovered in 1947. And that that's correct. But even as recently as 2017, uh, caves have been discovered that uh, that were thought to have contained uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, but they'd, they'd been looted. And it's believed, if I remember rightly, sometime in the 1950s. And, and, and they discovered caves that uh, should have had scrolls in, uh, but they only found empty scroll, broken uh, scroll jars and like uh, right. parchment, which had been prepared for writing on. So the, there's potentially a lot more of these things out there. So it's, again, it's it's a very interesting idea about it, and and the amount of research which has gone into these things. We've had paleographic dating, which is the analysis of letter forms. We've had radiocarbon dating, which is obviously the nuclear uh, dating method associated with uh, aging things. Ink and parchment dating, photographic dating of these things, and all those things have been so widely, widely uh, examined in so many different ways. But one thing I do find very interesting about these, I've got a, a... if I, if I can find it on my shelf, I'm going to hit the famous bookshelf, everyone. Are you ready? <laughs> I love I've it. I've got a book. Laura, can you pronounce that name? Because I, I will make a complete hash of it. Oh, of the author? No, I can read the authentic gospel of Jesus. That's about as good as it gets. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm not going I to go that, with Giza Vermes. <laughs> that's what I would have said. Okay, so if, if we're wrong, we're wrong that, That's what I'm going to go okay. with, but I am... I am yeah, you know, historically very bad at pronouncing names that I'm not familiar yeah. with, as, yeah, as Laura will name. confirm. This this is a, a very interesting book. Giza Vermes is was one of the world's leading experts on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And he, he wrote this book called The Authentic Gospel of Jesus, which basically looked at uh the 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 synoptic gospels. Uh, the known gospels which we have in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and and put them into the kind of the reference point of a first century Jewish preacher, and the conclusion it came to was uh, not unfamiliar to scholars, but to the kind of general Christian reader. Very, very controversial, and that is that Jesus was a, a accord, according to the words from the Gospels and the context of the words from the Gospels, which would have been understood at the people of the time, a mm-hmm. first century fire and brimstone Jewish preacher who thought the world was going to end in his own lifetime. Yes. 
Yes. And that's rejected by, by a lot of, well, I mean, I would, I would have to say all Christians have to reject that because it contradicts their doctrine. I, I hate saying all or none, but I can't imagine being a Christian today and holding that view because those are contradicting views. It, it contradicts modern teachings of Christianity. But yes, if you, if you pull back and look at some of these teachings from an actual historical perspective, rather than from a specific religious lens that, that is sort of like dictated to you, you start to see these books in entirely different ways. Like the, the, um, what is the, the book, the very, very last book of the Bible, the one that's about the apocalypse. Why am I not remembering the name of it? It's just flying. I don't know, but I can't remember like the, it. Yeah, it now was you like said you can't John. remember it. I can't remember oh, geez. it. Yeah, it's, it was said to so have been So if anybody can remind us of the name of the book of Revelation, please do That's so. it. The book of Revelation. <laughs> You're such a turd. <laughs> the book of Revelation. No, just that book, if you look at it from a historical perspective, <laughs> and I'm like not even letting you have it. I'm just going to keep on pressing. Um, <laughs> that book historians can show where it falls historically where the person who wrote that book was talking about the politics of that day and was talking about an apocalypse of that day and he was using language that was very 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 um metaphorical um and and almost to the point of being like written in code almost right but he wasn't talking about something that's going to happen thousands and thousands of years later at an undetermined time that's up to god he was talking about like the politics of that day and things happening of that day and um and interpreting him in a way of like yeah the, like uh, it's the the end of the world and there'll be all this like rebirth after so he was making predictions into the future but we're talking about the future of his lifetime or within generations not like um way 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 down the road and Jesus can be seen the same way and and he says it very 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 clearly and I know we've gotten off the topic of the Dead Sea Scrolls but I think it kind of it 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 ties in in the sense of looking at documents that were historical documents and from their historical perspective versus looking at um a modern day translation of it and how people are looking at it in the modern day um it's two very 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 different things and um i think that that is one of the ways in which the dead sea scrolls can be a bit challenging to a religious um ideology right or or like narrative because they they offer a historical context that puts religious ideas into a specific historical setting that contradicts in my opinion contradicts the current teachings of those of those scriptures yeah and i i i want to push back as i often do when we work together just me and you in our duo sense that i i don't think it's quite the case that it's as black and white that uh, Christian-believing scholars uh, don't accept that. I think there are, there are some Christian-believing scholars who do accept that and compartmentalise it uh, with their own faith. And I That's think if you, if you look at the professional work as opposed to their own personal faith, I think that is is evident that they're quite happy to acknowledge the they may not agree always but they're quite happy to acknowledge the consensus opinion i certainly know of one not necessarily on this subject uh but there's a fantastic scholar who i i reference quite a lot called luke timothy johnston who's who's a brilliant brilliant christian scholar and a brilliant uh you know is is a christian believing scholar and 
he 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 believes that as 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 i remember he believes that the the gospels were written actually by mark matthew luke and john but he acknowledges like watching the video yeah he he acknowledges that that is a, a minority opinion and that the consensus scholarly opinion is different to that and and he says so publicly <laughs> in his teaching work and that is brilliant that is the mark of a good scholar and, and that's i think for me that's a difference between a christian scholar and a, a christian apologist because the christian apologist will make excuses for the consensus opinion being different to their own whereas a good scholar regardless of his, his beliefs will acknowledge the, the consensus there's other there's other consensus out there and you know i i i say and i must have said time and time again on this show and i've said it on other shows as well look bart ehrman is a very very good scholar and is is in atheist circles is is probably one of if not the most popular uh, scholars of christianity out there but mm-hmm. he's not the only one and you know, there are some very, very good Christian believing scholars out there and you do yourself a detriment if you don't acknowledge their work and listen to their work and read their work because they are very, very good. And you you can, you know, when when you get into it, I read a lot of this stuff and I read a lot of this stuff on a daily basis because I am an immensely boring tit. (laughs) you said it when you look uh, when when you read a lot of this stuff you get to know who who, you kind of pick the little nuances and little bits out and you get to pick the good scholars out regardless of what the beliefs are so don't discount to to our atheist viewers and listeners don't discount a, a, a scholar or a, a work written by a scholar just because they are Christian believing because they can uh, inform a lot of very, very, very good things. And, you know, right. the, the majority of what I've learned f- uh, about, um, you know, from the academic sense from about Christianity has come from Christian believing scholars it's you know if if you if you're going to reg- restrict yourself to Bart Ehrman and uh, Joshua Bowen and people like that who are very very good and I'm not discounting their work in any way please go right. and read them they are brilliant people but if you're <laughs> going to restrict yourself to their work you are doing yourself a disservice absolutely there are some very very good christian scholars out there john drain uh you know people like that go and read the work it's really really good uh i mean i'm really i've jumped off topic a little bit no no no. (laughs) well i mean it's it's sort of adjacent right because we're talking about like the dead sea scrolls is like being you know these historical documents and they they do um they you can't talk about the dead sea scrolls in my opinion without talking about like the bible and scriptures and stuff like that because they are very intimately related even though not every single dead sea scroll has anything to do with the bible they're actually separated into sort of like these categories and they they're they inform different topics um and and one of those topics is certainly um biblical canon um so i think what you're saying is spot on 
I'm actually glad you said it because I was sort of struggling with the whole, like, I can't really imagine someone holding a Christian belief and also saying that, oh yeah, Jesus preached about like the end of the world coming in his, and Jesus believed that the end of the world was going to happen during his lifetime. And I, I can't imagine, but that talks a lot about cognitive dissonance and it talks a lot about what you said, like compartmentalizing. So I do have to acknowledge that it's certainly possible, but then you also brought up a good point of just because you don't believe a consensus view or don't don't believe a certain analysis of something doesn't mean you can't acknowledge it. And so regardless, even if, and I'm not saying this is true, I'm saying even if 100% of all Christians, including scholarly Christians, say that's not true, that's not what I believe about Jesus, you still have to acknowledge that there are Christians out there that will say, but I understand the historical consensus or I understand the interpretation or whatever. Um, so that is is really, really, really good to point out and to correct. And so thank you for that. But even more important, I'm glad you brought up the idea of looking at information from multiple perspectives and multiple schools of thought, because it is really frustrating. Like for me, the all or none thing, like if a person has a bad idea, all their ideas are bad. If a person is brilliant about something, they're brilliant about everything. And it's like, there's, there's sort of this. And so it happens both ways. Oh, you're a Christian. You don't have anything meaningful to say about the, the history of Christianity because you're automatically slanted and I don't want to hear about it. But it happens the other way too, where it's, um, oh, I really have a lot of faith in this person and what they have to say. Therefore, everything they say is correct. And it's um, yeah. nearly impossible to challenge what a person says when it comes from a, a source that they trust. And I think it happens both ways. And so I really, really appreciate you making that sort of distinction. And I, yeah, I do Bart, think Bart it... Ehrman is, is really annoys me with that. I love Bart Ehrman. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a guy I mention most often as annoying me. So, <laughs> this is, you know, let, let, let it not be kind of understated how much I do appreciate his work. In his work, and it's not him. It's not him that annoys me. <laughs> it's, the, it's the atheist community because with Bart Herman, what you get in his work is a lot of what if there's a right. lot of speculative questions in there, which are really, really good from a scholarly point of view. What right. if this, and what if that, because it gets you thinking, mm -hmm. but what I found is a lot of uh, kind of when, when I'm dealing with the kind of atheist uh, social media and things, which I have a lot to do with, when I'm when I'm looking at a lot of that, I find a lot of atheists saying Bart Ehrman says this as though right. it is a fact. Therefore, it's true. That's exactly and what I was talking not, about, and I hate and he that. He even doesn't write it like that. Yeah, he, he is writing in a speculative way, and it's really good the way he writes it. Until yeah. somebody grasps it as the truth, and they come out and they say Bart Ehrman says this. And they put forward a speculation as a consensus opinion, which it is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fascinating because even though the topic is Dead Sea Scrolls, obviously, like, that's just, like, sort of the main topic. I think it's good to be able to take a topic, and especially when, when it's in kind of, like, a tabletop discussion format, which, which our podcast is, is to be able to go down these rabbit holes. And Dead Sea Scrolls, in general, as a topic, we talk about, like, their... They're um, fragments of manuscripts. They inform our our knowledge of history and stuff like that. So to be able to say, okay, um, yes, we have these manuscripts that 
that give us more information about our past, like bottom line, no matter how you interpret them, no matter how you feel about them, like them or hate them, they are data. And, and that's good. And now you talk about how people handle the data and you bring up a really, really valid point, whether it's the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Bible or a historical document or a historian, when you have people that say, um, the documents say X, therefore Y, and they come to their own conclusions when, what the document is saying. So for example, that is done a lot with, um, oh, who is that historian? He's Josephus. Josephus mentions the Christians, therefore he's confirming the Christian belief as being the true belief. When what yeah. he's really doing is saying, historically, these Christians existed and they said X, right? He's giving an account of these people who believed this thing rather than, than, than a confirmation that those beliefs are true. And um, it's funny so that we... you mentioned Josephus because I was just about to bring him <laughs> up in, in, in a little while, but go on. <laughs> well, and all of these things, and we're coming to the end of the show, so we we like are just scratching the surface on this. But um, but I think it's really really important to when you're when you're talking about historical documents in general to be able to have these other like rabbit hole nuanced conversations of how do we look at them, and um and how do we analyze them for quote unquote truths or can we analyze them for truth so if if like let's say and this is not true i'm making this number up to be deliberately exaggerated let's say 99.999 percent of the dead sea scrolls found are all biblical canon they're not but i'm just saying for example if they were does that make the bible automatically true the answer of course is no right and so it is really good to be able to take these documents and look at them objectively and say well what do they teach us about our past well, they, they taught us that people were writing about this kind of stuff during the times that those papers date back to. That's, that's you know, that's that's what they tell you. I don't know. What are your what are your closing thoughts in the last few minutes? Closing thoughts? I don't know. Uh, I think the Dead Sea Scrolls are very, very interesting. We haven't even got on, which is where I was going to bring Josephus into it. We've not <laughs> even got on to who wrote them. And... And that, that's a whole conversation in itself, uh, which I was going to bring up, but I think we're running out of time for. Uh, go and look it up. You know, you've all got, you, you're watching, if you're watching this show, you've got access to the internet. Go and look it up. Go and do the research yourself. And stay off uh, Wikipedia. Use it as a sound starting like a point flat to earth get, now. Yeah. <laughs> Use it as a starting point to get interested and then look look deeper, look more academic. I, I would say that what this episode did for me, because there are so many topics in both the, the realms of just history in general and just knowing your general history, however far back you want to go, and in specific like religious histories, which I know that that, that fascinates both of us, um, the, the study of religious history. And it's fascinating to me that the two of us know such a little small amount about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And yeah. yet we're both so fascinated with that history. So it kind of motivated me like, it makes me want to dig deeper and learn more about it because I realize that there are a lot of holes in, in my knowledge and obviously I can't plug them all and I can't, I can't become like the, the number one expert of all things religious, but there are little things that I can do to enrich my knowledge and learning more about the Dead Sea Scrolls um, is now like as of this episode, it's become a passion of mine. I want to learn more so that I can speak yeah. on them more eloquently and, and more astutely instead of just like speculating and well i i heard and i think you know so yeah this has been really good for me yeah we're, we've both acknowledged that you know from the beginning that our knowledge of the dead sea scrolls isn't brilliant i mean 
I mean, I, I kind of want to defend myself by saying, come on. You know, I, I, I study Christianity and Buddhism and Islam. And, you know, I can't do everything. You Give can't. me a break. It's vast. Yeah. But, People can spend uh, their lives so studying much- this stuff. This, each one of those each one of those areas is beyond a life study mm-hmm. you know if if you look at even islam which is the most recent recent oh yeah you've got one and a half thousand years almost of 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 stuff to learn and study mm-hmm. and pick apart and uh yeah the dead sea scrolls uh they did i think what we can say is this look let's 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 bring it down. The Dead Sea Scrolls are not only fascinating for their content and informative for their content, but they also revolutionized, and that cannot be understated, biblical research and biblical archaeology. They really did so much. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, even up until 20, kind of 2017, the finding caves where these scrolls did exist, even though there weren't any scrolls in them. And, and, you know, there are probably many, many more of these things to be found buried around uh, the, the area, uh, and who knows what the future will bring they did wonders for biblical research and and stuff like that go and look at them go and look it up do more research than me and laura have done educate us because these (laughs) these these things are fascinating if i if i had the time i I would deep dive into them i don't have the time to do so i wish i did and if love is going yeah. to do that, I'm hoping she'll pass on her findings. I don't me. know if I'm going to do a deep dive, but I will. I will. I do want to look more into it and become a little bit more well versed and, and a little bit less um, ignorant on on the matters. Um, I even think that what, re- what research I have done in the past, I've forgotten about. So I just want to, in the last um, minutes as we're closing up, I just want to throw out there to the audience. Um, Share your resources. If you have a fascinating, even if it's documentaries, I they're problematic because documentaries can be done inaccurately. They can be done from a slant. They can just because something is a documentary does not automatically make it factually true but i think it's a fun and interesting place to start to kind of get your brain spun up and and interested and and motivated um so if you have resources like a book or or a documentary post it because um i don't even know where to start and where i'll have time to start so and if we're both so interested maybe that will be something that as a community we can just generate some interest and generate some additional knowledge about the topic um yeah, so I know that um, Jilliver does know, even being as ignorant as he claims to be, he knows a great deal more than I do. But I think that finding out a little bit more about, about this facet or that facet of any religion is is good for us, if nothing more than to just give us a deep appreciation and understanding and, and means of approaching people who have the beliefs that we don't have, right? And just, just understanding things a little bit better. Yeah, in the meantime, keep questioning. Interrogate your beliefs. And stay skeptical. We will see you next time. Yes, we will. Mm